0: Another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, this one has been a long time in the making, and it finally happened. Late one night on mid-tour, Tim Casher is on the show from the band Cursive, from Slow Down Virginia... We go deep. There's some there's some uh, cool stuff we talk about in this episode. More on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, the email address is turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother, who also does the Facebook page and the Instagram page for Turned Out of Punk, Tristan Abraham. He is the show producer and guest booker extraordinaire. And thank you, Tristan, for all the hard work you do. He's also my little brother. Uh, so, and, oh, and if you want to find me on social media, I'm at left for Damien. If you want to support the show, please tell all your friends about it. Uh, you can also rate it and subscribe to it on your platform that you're listening to it on. Uh, or there's also turnitapunk.com to pick up a t-shirt and thank you. Thank you to everyone that does pick up t-shirts for this thing. It's very much appreciated. Uh, and, uh, uh, I play in a band. We're called Fucked Up. You can find out more information at fuckedup.cc. we got a bunch of tours that got announced for uh, parts of Europe, for parts of uh, America, for parts of Canada. So if you are around, please come and say hello. I'd love to say hello to you. You know, we will uh, converse and I look forward to eating uh, the local food. If you have vegan food recommendations in any of these places, please let me know because that's a, a whole new world to me. I don't I don't I haven't bothered bring that up on the show, but if you got some spots that I should check out on tour, let me know. Uh, all right, on to today's show. Today on the show, Tim Casher is here. and first and foremost, a huge thank you to Amanda Pitts, who has worked tirelessly to make this happen for a very long time. Um, and thank you, Amanda, for for making this f- happen, because this is something that should have happened a long time ago. Tim is a hugely influential person in the world of, well, punk, <laughs> where we all are at. Uh, not just through th- Cursive, but also in Slowdown, Virginia, a super underrated early band that he played in. And then there's like a bunch of other stuff, as I said, off the top that we talk about uh, and get into, but also just... You know, a really cool conversation with someone who has made a career as a working artist, and you know some of the struggles that come along with that. And uh, yeah, it's it's not a long conversation because it is very late at night. Poor Tim had just gotten off stage and was mid tour, and yeah, so there will be a part two. I promise. You know, spoiler, uh, but that's it. I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Don't forget to check out Tim's fantastic new solo album, Middling Age. Very relatable for myself Uh It, it is available now everywhere On uh, 15 passenger records And 30 and something records in Europe And yeah, once again, it is a, a fantastic record Check that thing out Check out all of Tim's stuff Cursive, like We talk about We talk about this It's a, a real daunting and, and, and very, very staggering Impressive discography That he's put together for himself over the years But you'll hear us talk about that in a sec Sit back, relax, and enjoy Tim Casher on Turned Out A Punk. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, as I was just telling you off air, I'm excited to talk to you for a lot of reasons because I think you have one of the most impressive and daunting discographies of anyone wow. in punk
1: cool all right thanks <laughs> well it
0: goes back like well and we'll talk about all this in a second but like it goes back and it's been solid the whole way through you know like like right but but, well let's get there let's start off the way they okay. all start off which is how did you get in a punk Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre
1: um i mean i don't know there's like the really like the more uh basic steps like in the early 80s where i got super into the clash and then um sex pistols generation x you know like the kind of more token things that um you know, but i mean actually i still very much love the clash to this day you know mm-hmm. um, so there's that but then uh and then i kind of and then uh and then the damned i got into the damned just because of their Malone um, again or cover that they did of, from love you know <laughs> yeah absolutely and then, I, and then i bought one of their albums and i ended up being the damned is great but probably for me honk that's more like in my in my uh, uh up my alley is probably more like like when i discovered fugazi in the in 1990 or something like that you know
0: what about like bands like digital sex because I've I'm I'm always intrigued by you know they were such an experimental band for the time and you know geographically speaking and it's almost like that that kind of like bend to to the music they were making is something that kind of like runs throughout right until you know your wave and and post your wave even yeah uh
1: man I I I feel um I feel pretty bad that I can't offer much about digital sex like I just they were before our time and uh although I'm just, I know the, you know the members but um I just never I wasn't really ever I never engaged at the time um with them but um that's rad it's rad to hear the reference you know
0: well it's, it's interesting because like they're like a band you know at a time like you know picking up on Throbbing Gristle and Drudy column yeah. and like bands that were not necessarily like you know the the run-of-the-mill stuff that was hitting with like hardcore kids or, or people that were much more genre kind of based in what they were doing. Yeah. 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 What was the stuff you were into locally? Kind of like when you were first getting into this stuff,
1: uh, there were the, there were bands, uh, bands that I that just are fucking fantastic. Uh, mousetrap. Yes. Uh, you familiar with mousetrap. Yeah. They're, um, fantastic. And a uh, mercy Roll. Uh, also um was a lincoln nebraska band uh both just like they just um did so much they they did so much for as far as like influencing everybody in omaha Uh, i remember i remember the first times i saw both of those bands i remember I i have a lot of i have a lot of pretty concrete memories of first times i heard songs you know like played by i mean it was just like everything it was really monumental
0: well, I guess that's – I think Connor even mentioned when he was on the show, that's what led Commander Venus to wind up on, on Grass Records or wind yeah. up records.
1: Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, because uh, Mousetrap, it, it ended up there, and then a band Cactus Nerve thing was on there, um, also from Omaha. So uh, Grass kind of had their eye on 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 Omaha a little bit, you know. And, yeah, that, that definitely
0: was – that definitely helped. Well, it's a fantastic kind of roster. It's weird how <laughs> it transitions to – wind up records it goes goes in a different direction but like oh, yeah Brainiac and like 15 and like you know yeah. Trap, like it's kind of geographically all over the place but picking mm-hmm. up on all these cool different scenes
1: you know is one of my favorite bands from that uh uh was did you ever catch did you ever get that record by a band called twitch no it's so good I gotta check it um, out um I'll have to I'll have to look at to the f- find what it's called oh I know it's called beaten I think it's called beaten senseless and giddy with love or something like that yeah really good it's like closer to metal ish you know Mm -hmm. but um I guess yeah I think so like would have opened for tool in the 90s you know
0: well that's the thing about that label it's like you know it's it's kind of like a, a real cross section of what was kind of happening in American underground music at that time where you know it's it's all killer nothing sounds mm-hmm. the same though
1: this is already just such a fun conversation anytime anyone's <laughs> just like throwing out like yeah. you know maybe like grass records and like old omaha bands and all it's just that's great
0: well i like i this is what i'm fascinated by because i think you know obviously like saddle creek is one of the most significant diy scenes to kind of like emerge you know out of the out of music you know and so you know, finding all these roots to it. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Like, you know, where, you know, like where, you know, um, you know, slow down Virginia gets the influence from, we'll get to that <laughs> in a yeah. second, but grass records, it was also funny. Cause like that stuff was impossible to find, you know, in Canada, like those records were like $35 when they mm. were coming out. Sure. It, it felt like it was a, it was like a, a really cool label, but maybe didn't have the distribution or, it just wasn't in as many places for some reason.
1: Yeah. And um, I remember we used to sit around chatting about like, what is it about? Cause I think we were at our earliest st- stages of thinking about doing our own label and it's like, well, what, you know, and we'd look at grass as an, as an example. And um, they seem to have this, um, you know, like that, this like that approach of like, let's just put everything out at it. Like, you know, like let's put everything out in like as inexpensively as possible. And if one of them, sticks you know let's throw them all against the wall and if one sticks then like little pay for the rest or something like that because they were putting out a lot of stuff they yeah had, they were getting they're getting money from somewhere prior to wind up you know
0: well i guess that germs tribute record must have sold really well because that was everywhere oh uh, uh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. back then but um it, there's a diss track on grass records on the next 15 record after they left grass records, like about how there were no lyric sheets in the record. And, uh, and like, it wasn't as cool as they thought it would be. And they only did it so they could get a new van. And, but it's like yeah. all laid out very, very like, you know, very, very from the heart, but very, very vividly in the lyrics. Yeah.
1: You know, still one of my, well, one of my, not still, but like one of my favorite records in my collection is, um, mousetrap the mousetrap lover record and it's in the grass the um the generic grass uh sleeve you, you remember those <laughs> yeah well um, I, I
0: well, know because all those records. sorry I didn't to it off
1: oh yeah no yeah they just didn't because they were so they would do some stuff so budget that they just had a generic sleeve with like a hole in the middle so you could see <laughs> what the record is
0: but was, you know I was like it's fucking cool well and that's like all those records now go for a fortune on that label like uh, records in general go for ridiculous amounts of money (laughs) I'm sure you're aware yeah but uh but like those records in particular but I guess it's because as you're saying it was so cheap they weren't pressing a ton of them people didn't know what they were in the generic sometimes yeah yeah uh was the um was was being on grass records kind of like an influence on wanting to not be on a bigger label in, in the beginning? Uh,
1: Grass was definitely, was certainly part of it. Um, I think that for all of us, there were like the two more obvious, uh, the two very obvious labels was merge and discord, Mm -hmm. but grass was a, was huge for us. So that certainly had um, an impact as well. There was something about, uh there's something maybe about merge and discord being like merge slash super chunk and then discord slash forgot you know like like it was like it was like this was very they they just really had this vibe this energy of of it's better to do it yourself and we really just wanted to just we just kind of wanted to you know i mean that's isn't that great though isn't that cool that band that bands and labels like that were positively influencing scenes to, yeah. to to do that
0: yeah well it was it's like uh you know it's a very positive thing for a kid to stumble into as a young person like a label that's telling you go out there and do it yourself like especially discord because mm-hmm. you knew you couldn't go on discord because you're not from dc so you kind of had to do it yourself
1: yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> like yeah you couldn't join their club you had to start your own
1: yeah i think that i i, I fugazi they seem to be i don't know them but they seem to remain pretty humble as as human beings and but they i hope that they, they don't need to recognize it but i just want to say for the record that like <laughs> the amount the, the amount of work that they did as far as their ethics like the ethics that they put into the music industry is um extremely important yeah you know, like the, it's like their 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 credo and their like fight against the major labels and it just against like the ma against just like you know, just the capitalism of music there was, it's just, it's, it's done a lot. It's done so much to this day.
0: Well, David Bazan was talking when he was on the show, almost like, you know, we were talking about almost Ian MacKay and discord as being like a place of religion, you know, like almost serving as like an internal Ian (laughs) MacKay. That's like a moral compass inside you Uh, uh for secular people, you know, like a, a way of finding that same sort of like, okay, well, these are the things I won't do because yeah. my deified human tells me not to do them
1: yeah and i also in in it and it applied a lot to business but it also it also applied a lot to music i mm-hmm. it just like i think just the integrity like the the ethos of uh of the albums that they were putting out that was that affected everyone and and i hope or it, it hopefully it affected everyone in a, in a positive way
0: Yeah. You know? Well, I think it even affected people sometimes in a negative way, and people would react to it, you know, like Poison Idea, you know, with the uh, Ian McKay 12-inch, the infamous Ian MacKay 12-inch, yeah. where they were, where there was a lot of vitriol towards that scene, you know, but it, it spurned them on to make even better music, you know, like even in yeah, their right. hatred to it, they were making incredible music because of it, so it is wildly, wildly inspirational in that way, I guess. Mm-hmm because you're on uh windup records i think when the commander venus record actually comes out uh and it's kind of like creed is all over wind-up records by that point yeah. did you already feel the label tra- changing from this kind of cool indie label to going to like you know they eventually put out like evanescence and all that kind of stuff i think
1: oh my gosh like absolutely but we were like we were right at the crux of that whole <laughs> thing it was crazy yeah. uh we got picked up like i'll just tell this i mean maybe connor already told you the story but i'll i'll just i'll tell the truncated version that uh we were picked up by grass and we couldn't be couldn't have been more stoked because we there's so many grass bands that we were into and uh and shortly after we got picked up they they got (laughs) picked up by wind up and and they and then like everyone got dropped including friends of ours like, um, the wrens actually weren't going to be dropped, but they were, they were trying to force them into some like really like grody, um, deal that I think the wrens ended up turning down. Mm-hmm. Um, but other, most everyone else, like sunbrain, you know, uh, I don't know, mousetrap if they were still around at the time, but it was just like, they just like dropped everyone. Um, except they didn't drop us we were new we were new and alan Meltzer was the gentleman who's like was the billion millionaire billionaire whatever that uh ended up on he ended up on late night uh poker show, tv shows do, do you do you know that
0: no that's amazing
1: yeah. alan Meltzer, who's now passed since passed away um but he was just this multi-millionaire who started the um the, uh, the concept of the one-stop cd distribu- distributor like you know like warehouses like in okay. various, various places around the country whatever that means basically just came up with a distribution uh, my concept for cds made a ton of money um yeah anyway yeah then the, the key, later in life, I would sometimes see him late night on, uh, you know, like, like, you know, like poker shows. Yeah, poker like,
0: stars, world tour yeah, type thing. Like whatever, yeah.
1: like late night, weird poker shit. I'm like, oh my God, that's Alan Meltzer. Um, but uh, he like doesn't know what to do with his money. You know, <laughs> like he's <laughs> like, can I, how can I lose my money? Uh, but, he, but his wife at the time loved Commander Venus and that's why we got to stay on but then furthermore, but then we were, um, we could already see the writing on the wall of how weird Windup was becoming. And so we asked if we could kind of like politely not, like we like, you know, politely were like, well, we wanted to be on grass <laughs> and we don't really want to be on Windup. And that's where Thick Records came in. And, the, and so they used Thick Records just add, like out of Chicago, I think, right? I guess yeah, yeah. they, they just used them as an imprint. Okay. So So it kind of made it look like we came out on Thick. It was all just like, kind of political really you know
0: well anything get away from creed yeah i mean we're
1: just like it was just like we could see what was going on we're like well this is weird
0: did you ever have to meet him or play showcase shows with him back then or was it like you know separate worlds i
1: I think that when we were i think the time of which i'm talking about i like creed had not been picked up yet i I think
0: I think the record, like, cause I was, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd. So I spent a lot of time looking at these yeah. discographies. <laughs> I think it looks like it's sandwiched between a bunch of Creed stuff on the, oh, at, really? least, at least how oh, it's laid okay. on, on the internet. So this could be completely no, frivolous you information.
1: Know, I, to you. No, I bet you're right. I just don't, it's just that, you know, Creed wasn't Creed at that time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like I didn't know what I would, I didn't know the power of Creed I wouldn't have known the power of Creed when I saw that they're putting a label band out called Creed at that moment.
0: You know, if only you could have stopped them back then we could build a time machine. Oh my gosh, geez. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, it's funny you talk about Fugazi and, and Superchunk being so heavy as an influence because, you know, I've always kind of wondered what Slowdown Virginia's influences were, but if you mash those two bands together, <laughs> that's kind of the sound that it oh, winds up great. being.
1: Yeah, that's great. Arches of Love really came in um, heavy for us too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that band. I love. I I think that song Supernova '75 is so sick. Oh, thanks. And right stuff. On. You were also doing so many cool things with your vocals even back then on that stuff. Oh, right
1: on. I was. I I wish I could still. I wish I still had the capacity that I did then. There was a little bit of a young. There's a little bit of a younger man's um energy to uh what i could do with my vocals back then but
0: i know the feeling (laughs) (laughs) i saw brian wilson perform one time and you know just he he obviously was not hitting those notes uh Uh, in the same way anymore and i realized that it comes for all of us eventually (laughs) i
1: saw this is like a tangential but i saw i don't remember what it was i saw some like Festi- I saw some uh, post for a, some festival or something, and um, it was like, two artists, and one of them was Brian Wilson, and it said Brian Wilson, and in parentheses it said of the Beach Boys. <laughs> 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 I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Who? who needed that information i mean what the
0: fuck? Yeah, i guess there's there's someone out there that thought it might be brian wilson of the curling club down the street or something yeah ringo Starr of <laughs> the beatles the beatles oh uh, that's amazing that is that is some good marketing right there but i guess it, yeah. it, we live in a different time <laughs> even brian wilson has to remind people where he's from some time right of time. right uh what what did um march Hare sound like um it's, uh, i've never heard it but it's it's in, impossible to kind of find yeah. but i've always wondered what the vibe was
1: um it's uh it's a lot younger and it's not some it's not it's it's the stuff that i'd be i don't know it's the stuff that i'd say i'm like less particularly proud of um it, it was stuff that i was writing from like 14 to 16 years old um, but I, I grew up on a lot of, uh, I am proud of, you know, like all the music I w- was raised on, a lot of like 80s alternative and stuff like that. So it was a lot of like Brit pop, English beat, Squeeze, um, Smith's Cure. Uh, and uh, it probably kind of came across as like, I think maybe uh, Squeeze would probably be a good, you know, like very like pop very very like young high school kids like doing like alternative pop music that's probably like the vibe of it
0: you guys all start so young like all like everyone's doing stuff and actually like on like a real level very young yeah
1: I don't I don't know why that was, I don't it's just like getting ro- just kind of getting rolling
0: and just getting excited about playing music I guess like going back to like when you talked about getting in the clash <laughs> and all those sort of like first wave British bands you were getting into where were you hearing about that stuff from
1: uh yeah, i mean you know the clash for me was i picked up that was just that was just radio mm-hmm. but um i did but uh i i had the benefit um and matt McGinn who matt McGinn is also in cursive and we were um we grew up together on the same block so we've kind of always been been together uh we had a great benefit that my older brother was um friend was like part of a friend group that was this band called fifth of may which was a popular high school band uh and all those guys basically that was like our rivulet of cool alternative music that like got to my brother and then got to us you know so i was able to so i had you know like a dubbed violent fems cassette uh you know when i was in I mean, I think the year it came out or something, which I'm trying to figure out. Was did that come out like '83 maybe or something like that? Does that feel right? Or Is it '83?
0: Yeah, '83 or '82 maybe even '82. Maybe, uh, maybe you're no probably right '83. I should know this, but uh, I I need to look that up. I'll fix this in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I, but anyway, just that at a young age, I was able to like
1: get obsessed with the with violent films, and uh, they're amazing. And,
0: uh, oh my god, do I love that band!
1: I think they're one of the, I can really go on about, I think they're one of the most important influences. Not for me. I mean, for me, sure, yes. Mm -hmm. But for everyone. Mm -hmm. Like alternative music is like, I think that, I think that the whole genre, the broad, broad umbrella genre of alternative music is um, like Violent Femmes is one of the Beatles bands, I think. Like they, I think that Black Francis and Pixies, maybe I'm wrong
0: you know like I definitely
1: like maybe I'm wrong maybe they just maybe um you know maybe he would just be like uh maybe he'd be like I never listened to (laughs) you know like that but it's just like I feel and I and I'm also not saying he's ripping them off it's just kind of I think that there was like there was just a lot of influence that we all got that we all gained
0: well they're they're just like a very free band you know but also Mm -hmm. they never lose their edge in any of their experimentation but like Like you're saying like that's where i could see frank black getting it from is the fact that they're they're like you know like they're doing weird songs you know and like there's weird instrumentation and that's very you know in keeping with Mm -hmm. what i guess where the pixies are going with their stuff too
1: yeah and maybe going back to my own influence i think that that was like hugely important to me which Mm -hmm. is like tweaked you know like music tweaked music kind of weird or just you know just like going in different direction
0: have you ever heard that uh rocks record they did in the late 90s it only came out in Australia no it's like it's the weirdest thing it's not even on streaming services and yeah. it has four of the best violent femme songs oh ever. Wow. Ever. Cool. yeah yeah wow. there's like a lot of filler on it <laughs> like it's really oh. like an EP but the four songs that are good are just so awesome like it's oh, fantastic oh I'm
1: so excited
0: and they've never reissued it like
1: <laughs> so I guess I'll have to like kind of dig for it I have
0: to search for it huh? it's on it's on YouTube which thankfully is the uh, same okay. you know th- thankfully YouTube records bootlegs us all and that's where I got <laughs> yeah. to see slow down Virginia that's where I've, yeah. i really owe them a debt for exposing <laughs> yeah. me to a lot of great stuff <laughs> you know but <laughs> they are the ultimate bootlegger at the end of the day forget lost and found records for years
1: I've just called YouTube just like my Kate Bush video machine it's like that's just like
0: I just watch Kate Bush videos yeah you know? it truly is like a happiness machine you know like yeah. most of the time you're bored you just throw in something that would make you happy and sure enough there's a video of it be it Japanese <laughs> deathmatch wrestling or you know a commander Venus recording that you had never heard before it's there uh-huh um one of the uh other bands i wanted to ask you about was uh norman baylor because oh, yeah. it's it's they, such a cool demo like yeah, once again yeah. thanks to youtube records
1: yeah yeah uh yeah norman baylor was just kind of it was just well wh- uh, that was so ex- i think that's mostly exciting because we just were hearing just another it was another kind of like another group of artists that were Doing stuff that was exciting us, that was exciting to us, that was inspiring us, and that was kind of, and that was where Todd and Todd Fink and Clark Beckley kind of were first starting. So that was there. But you know, Connor was doing, contributing stuff onto there too. So there's some kind of fun Connor nuggets in there too, as well. You know.
0: Yeah, there's like so much cool stuff early on. Like obviously, you, that's what I was saying off the top. Like you have such this incredibly daunting. Discography with like all this stuff in it, but like early on, you know, many careers ago at this point, there's all this killer stuff that you're doing, like that TRC one one two, yeah,
1: TRC one, TRC one twelve, yeah.
0: That's so awesome, and like it's all improvised too, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Damn, <laughs>
1: it's like so this much is, weird stuff. This is great. The first time I think anyone's I. I'm assume, I think this is the first time anyone's ever asked me about TRC 112 in an interview I hope it continues <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hope it gets reissued now I hope this burns on some reissue campaigns of these early yeah. tape recordings yeah we was did the, it a lot there's a lot of songs well like what was the deal with TRC 112 you just were like 112 you decided like you just wanted to do an improvisation project or
1: just back back then Khan and I Connor and I were just we we were we were just really inseparable for, for a little while there. And uh, it's just, I think i mostly spurned out of, uh, from out of of, eh, some level of boredom. You know, it was, it was kind of like, what do you want to do today? And, um, and then we're like, Oh, let's just go in the basement and make mess around. like, then we just started coming up with like ideas and like, and there was, I remember there was a clock, uh, you know, a digital clock on the bookshelf and we're like, okay, I know. How about like, we like start a song, like we'll start a song at the top of the minute and then it can only go for like so long. And they'd be like, yeah, it'll only go for like a minute and 12 seconds. And then (laughs) we're like, but we're like, but everything has to be totally improvised. Like even the title, even the name of the band has to be improvised. We're like, well, what's the name of the band? We're like, it's TRC 112. Okay, it's like, all right, that's the name of the band. And then every song you can't we had rule there were rules basically and so like the rules were you're not supposed to be thinking about what the song's going to be about prior you're supposed to to kind of try to hang out with a clear mind until the clock turned to the next minute and then you blurt out what the song is and then you start playing
0: that's awesome
1: oh and then one of someone would lead so whoever had the guitar would lead it's just guitar and drums so whoever had the guitar would lead and so and then because it's pretty hard to start on the one if you don't know what you're playing (laughs) so someone would lead and then the other person would jump in well it's
0: it's it's kind of like dogma 95. i
1: I love that to think that they would be the reference like that yeah well
0: bro but i think that's yeah i mean
1: yeah as far as as far as keeping it as raw and improvised as possible yeah
0: yeah exactly it's the musical equivalent like you don't have any time for any of the any of the other things we hide behind when we're making records it just has to be improvised like i'd love to see other bands attempt that now with those same rules applied to it, where it's, you know, becomes like a talk about 95 thing.
1: I think our most important critic uh, was, was, <clears throat> was, and is, um, was uh, Ted Stevens, who, uh, who always hated it. <laughs> 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 and I think it was just, I think it was important because I like, think he just wanted to make sure that we understood that it's just like, <laughs> Hey, you little shits. <laughs> like, it's just not so like, so you know, yeah it's not like everything you do turns to gold or something like that please think about please like put some thought into your music next time you play it for me <laughs> I,
0: I think there's gold on that tape you know that yeah. improvisation and jams do give us some like oh, yeah. great moments right no there's some really fun stuff for sure was like any of that sort of like you know kind of like outsider American underground stuff like like I mean like half Japanese or ween was that like influence at all on what you guys were doing
1: no, I'm about probably not. I mean, really, I think it was just like, it was most, it was really just mostly like uh, hanging out, just like some, you know, like we were just running around so much that it was just like it was just another thing to do. We were we were kids. I mean, he was really, a, like we were both kids. I shouldn't say he was more of a kid than I was. It's just I was whatever. I was 20, and he was 14 or something. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing is you guys start so young right so by yeah. the time you're yeah. 20 you've already got like several bands under your belt you've been burnt yeah. by a major or, not, or like a major indie you know you're, you're 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 seasoned a seasoned vet by the age of like 22. <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> oh what was the transition from uh slow down virginia to cursive because that first Cursive seven inch comes out what 97. Um, i don't know i don't know the timeline that might be right um 96 I think actually so you're looking <clears throat> at it's got to be one of the longest running American indie bands at this point or like you know indie bands at this point I can't wow. think of too many bands from that era that you know and obviously you took breaks at different times but like fairly consistently from then till now like a lot of bands took long ass breaks but you know cursive was continually doing new stuff and that first seven inch yeah. rips too oh thanks uh uh
1: that's kind of weird that's i I mean i think there. i mean there's still quite a few bands that are still around i think but yeah that's kind of neat i mean i think that's like it makes me feel like i want to like keep going longer just to see if i can (laughs) like hit some kind of maybe i can end up in like guinness book of World, world records or something uh but uh the the transition from slowdown to cursive um was really like like it was definitely we like nearly didn't it nearly didn't happen just because slowdown stopped because I was burnt out. Um, you know, I was burnt out the way that most musicians are burnt out, even though I was young, but you know, that happens too. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, basically from like 16 to, to 20, um, I wrote lots and lots of songs and we recorded lots and lots of stuff. And I sent out those, I sent, I sent those cassettes out, you know like a nice little packages out to labels over and over and over again and uh just couldn't ever get any couldn't ever get any response or get anything to happen with it and um you know and then it was cool that the you know a local what became saddle creek lumberjack records at the time you know did put it out out the cd and that was rad but it was still just it was that i kind of recognized that it wasn't i couldn't just i couldn't this wasn't something i could lean on or i couldn't well, i don't know what does that mean anyway you know but uh, i maybe the, the short of it is that is that i was i was like it's time for me to take college more seriously and i can't just i can't just put all of my heart and soul into music because i'm gonna suffer <laughs> as a result you know but uh little did but, you know <laughs> but matt and steve uh, matt and stephen peterson uh talked me into trying again there's like why don't we you know like doesn't have to be slowed down anymore. Like, why can't we just keep playing? Why can't we just keep doing it? And like, and uh, and I was like, oh, I guess so. You know, it's like, I. But but personally, when I made that, I agreed. I would. I heard them, and I actually I think mostly I just appreciated friends wanting to play. That you know, like being that earnest. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really. I felt that felt good it's like oh wait well at least they're fans you know like that's so, like that's so nice you know like it's so nice to have people who really care and uh so I took that seriously but then I also remember significantly thinking to myself like okay well if I'm going to do this um like really do it like really like and I don't mean by like marketing in the from the business sense but like like really like try to push yourself to like out to really write like like what you are supposed to write, you know, like, or, or whatever, how I don't know am I'm trying to, what am I trying to say? You know, like, it was just like, I remember it being like an enlightenment period for me of like, I need to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to keep putting so much effort into this, it needs to be really good. And so then I kind of like, and it, I know what it was, I wanted, to, I thought to myself, I don't ever want to be embarrassed of what this is. And so that was, there was like an enlightenment to that, like a revelation of like, Write better music so you can be proud of it when you are older.
0: Like, why do you think there was no interest from labels at that time? Is it because it's on CD? I mean, like, was there distribution for it? Because, like, Slowdown is sick. Like, like, you know, I I don't mean to keep putting it over, but like, I do see it like fitting on, like, you know, I guess no idea would have been later on, right? Like, it's kind of like. Too early for what's to come, I guess. Where you would have fit in a lot better, I think, or even yeah. a J tree, it would have worked on a J tree or something. Uh,
1: I mean, you know, there's don't we as we all know too. There's just also like a lot of luck to it. Yeah, know? of course. And, and we were just we were sending stuff from Omaha without any connection to anybody. Mm. So you know, we were just having to. It was just blind. It was it was a blind unsolicited submissions, and so that certainly doesn't help. Um, but you know, back then we did, we did attract, we did get some traction here and there, not really with labels, but kind of like with some managers kind of wanted to help. And we try to get interest in labels and stuff like that. And it all, um, since it never came to fruition, it all kind of exhausted me. And, uh, you know, what? I don't know. I come from a kind of, I come from a conservative family. And so I think I still had in my head, like, I can't, like, I need to, I need to figure out how to make a living. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, of course. And it's like, there's not really that path yet at that point for a band like independent bands. Like it, it almost like throughout the 90s that emerges, and in the 2000s, like this whole like idea of being a starving musician kind of artist makes sense, you know, where you can yeah. like, you know, you can kind of do this thing and pull it together on a shoestring a lot more. Now it feels like at that point, like you're saying, it's you needed a label, you needed a manager because you needed to be inside the game, yeah. I, and I don't even know, I can't,
1: I'm not even really sure what it was. I thought I was like trying to achieve back then. Cause I know that, I know that all of our, you know, our relative standards were standards is probably longer, but, but our expectations were so low anyway. Mm. Um, so I, I think actually my, like my hesitance to start up cursive probably had more to do probably just like, um, maybe more typically with just kind of like, uh, um, like a bru like bruised ego kind of, you know like it's, which i think sometimes people hear that in the wrong way but it's just like well no we all have ego. you know it's like egos oh, yeah. are like a thing that we all like that we all like have to like live with and deal with you know and i wouldn't be i would thinking back i bet i was just kind of like i don't know if i can handle like all of this um you know like i don't know if i can handle like all of the um rejection of it's, it's, of, of, of sending out and never getting any responses you know
0: yeah well it's, it's like there's a uh There's a particular type of mentality that's required to be the lead lead singer of a band or the front person of a band that's also Mm -hmm. the same sort of mentality that should make you never be that person because it's sort of this combination of Mm -hmm. extrovert and also being very sensitive like and i'm i'm maybe projecting right now when i say all this stuff (laughs) to you but like heady mix of of being you know confident enough to get up on stage and 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 try and hold a room's attention, but also sensitive enough that if someone critiques it, it all falls apart a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I yes, I mean, I, yeah, I think I, I've often, and even more so lately, I feel like I've just been like struggling with, with recognizing that there's like this type of person that I'm supposed to be that I'm supposed to be and then just not wanting to be that you know like or just like feeling like I can't like I don't have back to like bruised egos or something you know just like the, the bruising of the ego just like like oh I don't know I would be wouldn't it be just so easy so much nicer just to like tend a nice little garden in your backyard or something yes. you know
0: yes yeah to be like just to do something with your hands yeah. and at the end of the day <laughs> this is what I produce uh-huh. it is very very much quantifiable what i've done and here mm-hmm. is the product and here's what i will sell it for and feed my family yeah. with but yeah yeah no it is definitely it's also like you know when we were talking about ian Mackay. like I, I imagine just like the the burden placed upon this person by mm-hmm. all of our images of what he should be and what he is you know for better or for worse in some cases if for people that don't necessarily like him or for whatever mm-hmm. they interpret him to be you know it's like all this weird interpretation of this person that's just like you know a normal person that's probably extremely complicated like we all are yeah yeah i think
1: that's even like why yeah I, I yeah i think that's what i said earlier just like i just i hope that they i think it's probably difficult for them but it's like i'm sure that sometimes they can lay there lay in bed at night and think i've done a nice thing for the i've done a nice yeah. thing for the music community you
0: know <laughs> yeah but I, I imagine it still hurts them when they get those barbs thrown like oh totally you know, I, 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 yeah i when i met ian i did yeah. ask him if you ever saw that poison idea cover and he said yeah it bummed me out and it's Aww. like i'm like <laughs> yeah. yeah i can imagine you know like we're not no one's made of iron you yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> that's big of you that's big of you to ask to bring it uh. up. I punished him for like three <laughs> hours at his house one day <laughs> oh, man. Uh, not recorded. Just literally yeah. just like straight up, like a Punisher at a merch table vibe, just yeah. like every diarrhea question I had coming out of my mouth <laughs> at once at him. And he, he was great. He answered it all, but yeah, it was, it was very like, it was very interesting to kind of reconcile this sort of like, you know, cast in marble, you know, image of this person with this person that's like, yeah, I'm I'm a human being. Like I'm not the punk rock Jesus that people make me out to be. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You mentioned going to university and, you know, you mentioned also the kind of guilt that comes uh, with, with being a musician that like there's this idea of like, Oh, I need to get a job. I need to kind of like, you know, find this sort of thing. And I find myself still dealing with that like every day Mm. i wake up like maybe i should just go work in like a weed shop or maybe i should just (laughs) go do anything else like you know is that something that you still grapple with or is that something that eventually at a certain point you just were like no this is my life and this is what i'm doing with it
1: yeah no actually you're like really kind of like that really kind of touches the nerve for me just like uh i think maybe post pandemic you know um uh because you know as like we're you know we all maybe us like musicians getting into the swing of it again and uh uh i mean the road right the pandemic uh, shifted a lot of people's mindsets and uh i want to keep doing it certainly and i always want to keep i'm um, creating and writing um, but also yeah like what you're saying i've for i mean for probably as long for probably from the Yeah, maybe. I mean, for most of the time that I've been doing music, I mean, it's like there's it's such an ebb and blow to it that uh, you can wonder if uh, you shouldn't be um, taking life more seriously and um, settling into something a little bit more uh, concrete, you know? Uh, Yeah. I think the only times maybe in my life that maybe I didn't feel like where I was just like, oh, whatever, I'll be a freewheeling music person was probably just like the times in my life when I was like younger and single and just kind of like I have no one to, you know, I've. I have
0: no one to, no. I have no one
1: to take care of and no one takes care of me and I'll just like
0: go live in a car and you know. It's amazing how like every stage of my life, you know, I'm, I'm anxious about it. There's all this shit I'm worried about. And then like two years later, I look back on it like, oh, why was I ever worried about that shit? Like it's like the pandemic just completely shattered the edifice of what touring was for me like this sort of burden that I carried like some sort of like mm. heavy rock up the side of a mountain and then all of a sudden have it taken away and realizing like oh shit no I loved it and <laughs> I pretended to hate it because I was worried I'd lose it at some point and now that I've lost it I gotta be honest with myself
1: I've gone through so many different um uh, iterations of like love and hate for the for the for playing live i guess yeah because i think everything else i think i've always consistently loved it's like love to write that's always my number one that's the best part of it uh mm-hmm. and then recording super interesting you know like mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of fun and a lot of creativity to happen in recording but uh yeah over the years i i have kind of been like oh, i don't want to you know the, and it goes back to the ego thing i think it's just like i don't know i don't this isn't like i don't need to talking I, I don't need to peacock around on stage to like who I am or to be you know it's a, just kind of those kind of those kind of like shitty attitude things that you have about oneself you know that you grapple with uh but i've really come around to uh like my my official ongoing statement now is that i love playing live and i think it's super cool mm-hmm. it's a, it's a super early it's a, such an amazing it's a crazy privilege and i think it that the, the type of person i am i need to like recognize I am like a showboater you know like i do i love to take um stage amongst my friends you know i like yeah. to like you know i love to i love i do like to parade around and i like to take on characters and i like to i love all of that um i think just you know there was a point where i was doing it so i whatever you know what it's all this stupid shit up in your head like for me it's like all the stupid shit in my head it's like i was just like there's just like just been this shitty voice just being like i am a you're a writer you're not a you're not a rock and roller acting like an idiot on stage you're a serious writer you know she's like shut up I love to be on stage you know and I think it's a it's a great outlet
0: yeah no I I I now realize how much I needed it when it was taken away and I was like you know I didn't start as well I did start kind of around the same age as you did but certainly none of my bands are worth mentioning or recording uh (laughs) for the first few years that's for sure it's uh yeah it's it's a heady time like to be back (laughs) doing this and and experiencing it all again yeah Yeah. um this is very late at night and you have to get up early but and i have literally pages worth of questions more to ask you so (laughs) uh can i burden you to come back in the future for a part two at some point
1: oh yeah man i'd be love to i mean what a nice conversation it's really nice to uh tonight uh, to uh to meet you i don't think that we i don't know that we ever really met before
0: no we've never Um, met and so and it feels uh yeah it feels really cool to get to like mm -hmm. uh, obviously this is not socially appropriate to do at a show just to punish someone Uh, about their early demos so (laughs) i wouldn't be able to do this in any other context so i'm glad i had this context to kind of get this all out of there so when we do meet in person you don't Mm -hmm. have to worry i'm not going to ask you about your first demo
1: I do I don't know if you recall and I'm pretty I'm pretty certain about this so we did do one show together one time
0: we did one um, show and we were supposed to play uh, we were supposed to do a few shows together one time with like I think it was Mastodon against me and cursive and oh, okay. that was supposed to jump on two of the shows.
1: Oh, shit, really? Okay. Yeah,
0: Toronto and Montreal, but it, yeah. it just didn't, it didn't work, work out. out.
1: Okay. Type thing, but... The, the show we did was, like, SUNY Purchaser. or so one of the SUNY up there or something like that. The, that one, right
0: the one where the cops chased us out of town? Or was it indoors <laughs> or outdoors? It was outdoors. That's the one the cops made us leave um, as soon as... Because I <laughs> overturned all those barricades. Oh, yeah. And then the That's cops... back to me now. Yeah, the state troopers, yeah. like made us get in our van and then drove us to like the oh city limits it was like something out of the movies <laughs> dukes a hazard i couldn't believe it i was like <laughs> that was very mild like just overturning the barricades and stuff that's like really, that so, that's really funny um before i let you go can i ask you one more question yeah where where, like early on like were there other scenes that you did feel that kinship with because you mentioned you're all alone You know like in in nebraska and omaha like kind of doing this thing yourselves but like were there like a connection to like the chicago scene or other than lincoln i mean were there other scenes that you felt a kinship with um i i can't really
1: i don't know if i can pinpoint uh scenes but i can you're making me think of of bands we went out with um uh chuluma from chicago Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm really like in the kind of like late 90s and that helped kind of felt help us like feel like we're building a little bit of community and then um even more so was a tour we did a small brown bike and and um they're still close friends to this day like it was just a really important um tour i think for both of us uh but yeah isn't that nice it's like then we kind of felt like all right we're kind of like you know maybe our maybe our styles didn't align totally but they're close enough and we um you know just had a real kinship felt a real kinship to them
0: well it feels like chicago was the scene that i would have felt there was sort of a connection to like there's so many obviously there's tons of punk scenes in chicago happening on top Mm. of each other in the 90s but there is sort of like that midwestern i guess would be labeled emo at a certain point but sort of this like midwestern thing that kind of is happening
1: yeah, and yet now that you mentioned, now I'm thinking more about there. You know, I didn't really ever get to play. I don't think I ever played with Giants Chair, um, but they were kind of like around and kind of a part of a thing. And um, Mineral, we got to play with, I think, maybe oh, I definitely like, I think I, like, at least a few times, and I'm still close with them. But back then, and then we were got picked up by Crank Records, so then we mm-hmm. kind of felt like we we're a little bit of a part of that community. Yeah, that was sure. probably the most important thing to us as far as like nationally. Cause I do remember when we first started going out and touring, I just felt really green and I felt like I didn't know where we belonged. And I'm sure most bands probably feel like that way, you know, but then you start making friends and you start, you know, parent, getting paired up and with certain band types of bands. And it's kind of cool. Well,
0: it almost was like, it was, it was, it was like religion back then where, you know, you needed that label to kind of give your band, not an identity for your band but an identity for the people buying your records you know like oh this is a fat band or this is a lookout band or uh-huh. this is a discord band
1: i don't know i so yeah there's that whole there's a whole longer conversation we have about labels and stuff in this day and age and you know there's like often yeah. people like to ask me like do labels matter anymore And it it's an interesting conversation um they i don't think they do matter as much anymore that's the impression i get but i think they do still matter but as you recall i'm sure i mean way back in the day i mean us getting picked up by crank meant a lot i mean it, it gave it, it gave us the key it gave us access to a tour basically to tours like we could we could i mean we're still booking ourselves we we're booking ourselves but i could call from my you know dial up from my home phone you know like i could call you know like um collectives or small bars or whatever around the country and explain to them that we were on crank records and that meant something and then they'd be like oh okay well yeah we'll bring you
0: out one for the kid going to the show that's you know crank recording artists on the flyer you know or like you know that sold tickets (laughs) like that that got kids out there take a chance on a band and i lied one final question (laughs) did you ever play with dead season from toronto they would have been on that small brown bike kind of era they did a tour with small brown bike around then too
1: oh okay um I may have, but I, Killer I, don't, band.
0: I, I don't remember for okay, sure. But <laughs> a cool. bummer question and an otherwise amazing uh, conversation. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. And anytime you want to come back on, please know the door is always open. Okay, great. That's so nice. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tim, for coming on the show. And as I said before, Tim will be back for part two um, because there's a lot more to talk about. A lot more to get to, as is always the way here at Turned Out of Punk. Well, barring a few times. Not one of those few times is next episode that will be dropping of Turned Out of Punk, because this one will definitely demand a part two from the legendary Butthole Surfers. Paul Leary is on the show. And we, t- <laughs> how could it not be an incredible episode when you're talking about the Butthole Surfers? Uh, you yeah, well, we'll, we'll, well you'll, you'll hear all about it in a few days. Uh, but that is it for me here on Turned Out a Punk. Remember, as always, black lives matter, the lives of indigenous peoples matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths and people of different nationalities and just, just knock all that shit out because we're not talking about political issues. This is just human rights, basic human rights. People are entitled to just live free. And life is hard enough. Like why, why try and make other people's lives harder? Uh, speaking of which, you know, this podcast also remains a a pro choice podcast and respecting what people do with their reproductive systems. And, uh, that, you know, shouldn't have to be still be said, but it does. It's on attack everywhere. You know, look, it's in Canada too, where I'm, where I'm at. Uh, Get involved in organizations that are doing positive work. If there's something out there that you think uh, could use your time or your money, probably could, you know, know, help affect the change you want to see in this world. Speaking of affecting change, punk, you know, it gets better when you get involved. So, you know, start a band, start a fanzine. Anyone can do this shit. Start a podcast. Just draw a picture for yourself. Draw a flyer. You know, people don't really make flyers in the same way. You know, they well, they make them, they make flyers and they post them on the internet. But, you know, like flyer art, it's just such a, a cool thing. So if you draw, draw some flyers up, you know, just get involved, do something. It helps your mental health too. I promise you, make, being creative can help your mental health. And, and speaking of which, that meditation stuff people talk about, that works. So so try it. It might uh, work for you too. I didn't believe in it and it works for me. Sign your organ donor cards because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them anymore. You don't. And so it could give someone else a, a new lease on life. All right, that is it. People wonder why, you know, people ask me sometimes, <laughs> why do you say this thing at the end of every episode? Because some people listen to one episode and that's it. They might listen to one turn out of punk. And so if they walk away with one thing after one of these episodes, if they they do hang around to this part of the show, you know, maybe it's this. All right, that is it for me. Uh Stay safe. And uh, I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening.